Hello, my podcast listeners. Thank you for joining me today. You're listening to the In Search of God's Instructions podcast. I'm your host, Shirley Vinson, and every week I invite you to join me for support and encouragement on your journey to a deeper understanding of the spiritual way that God wants His children to live. We are all in the spiritual walk of life together, but no matter the storms you face, if you search for His instructions, He will bring you through. Let us begin with the prayer. We thank you, Father, for letting us come together once again to discuss your instructions regarding these times we're living in. Today, we're going to be particularly looking at your instructions for us to keep Sukkot, what is also known as the Feast of Tabernacles. We ask you to be with us and guide us as we go into the study of your word on how we are to keep this feast time period. We thank you for the health that you've blessed us with. We thank you for your mercies and for your grace. And I pray that you will be with us as we study your word. And I ask that you bless us with wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and discernment as we read through the scriptures and glean from them what you would have us to do during the special time of this fall feast known as the Feast of Tabernacles. Please hear our prayers as we study your instructions. These things we ask and pray for in the name of Yehoshua, our Lord and our Savior. This podcast does not condone anti-Semitism, anti-Catholicism, or any religion that a person chooses to practice for his or her life. This podcast simply looks at biblical scriptures and study the word as God has given to us as we try to apply God's instructions in our lives. Turn with me please to the book of Numbers chapter 29 beginning at verse 12. On the 15th day of the seventh month you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work and you shall keep a feast to the Lord seven days. You shall present a burnt offering, an offering made by fire as a sweet aroma to the Lord, thirteen bulls, two rams, fourteen lambs, in their last year. They shall be without blemish. Their grain offering shall be one of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for each of the thirteen bulls, two-tenths for each of the two rams, and one-tenth for each of the fourteen lambs. Also, one kid of the goats as a sin offering. Besides the regular burnt offerings, is grain offering and a strength offering. On the second day, present twelve bulls, two rams, four lambs, in their first year without blemish, and their grain offering and their drink offering for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs by their number according to their ordinance. Also, one kid of the goats as a sin offering. Besides the regular burnt offering with the grain offering, and their drink offerings. On the third day, present eleven bulls, two rams, fourteen lambs, in their first year without blemish, and their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs, by their number according to the ordinance. Also one goat as a sin offering. 
besides the regular burnt offerings, its grain offering, and its drink offering. On the fourth day, present ten bulls, ten rams, fourteen lambs, in their first year without blemish, and their grain offering according to their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams and for the lambs by their number according to the ordinance. Also one kid of the goats as a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offerings, its grain offering, and its drink offering. On the fifth day, present nine bulls, two rams, fourteen lambs in their first year without blemish, and their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs, by their number according to the ordinance. Also, one goat as a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering, the grain offering and its drink offerings. On the sixth day, present eight bulls, two rams, and fourteen lambs in their first year without blemish, and their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs, their number according to the ordinance. Also, one goat as a sin offering. Besides the regular burnt offerings, its grain offering and its drink offering. On the seventh day, present seven bulls, two rams, and fourteen lambs in their first year without blemish, and their grain offerings and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs, by their number according to the ordinance. Also, one goat as a sin offering besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. On the eighth day, you shall have a sacred assembly. You shall do no customary work. You shall present a burnt offering, an offering made by fire as a sweet aroma to the Lord. One bull, one ram, seven lambs in their first year without blemish. And their grain offerings and their drink offerings for the bull, for the ram, and for the lambs. By their number according to the ordinance. Also, one goat as a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offerings, its grain offering, and its drink offerings. These you shall present to the Lord for your appointed feast, beside your vowed offerings, and your free will offerings, as your burnt offerings, and your grain offerings, as your drink offerings, and the peace offerings. So Moses told the children of Israel everything, just as the Lord commanded Moses. We see here that this Feast of Tabernacles is an eight-day feast. It starts out on the first day with a holy convocation, meaning that it is considered a Sabbath day. There is to be no customary work done on it. However, during these feasts, the priests are always doing work. The common people are to show up to their place of worship and praise God and celebrate this feast according to his instructions. What we have here in this book of Numbers, God is giving them specific instructions regarding the offerings for the feast. The offerings begin on the first day with a lot of bulls, a lot of rams, a lot of lambs, and each day the sacrifice offerings of these bulls and lambs and rams diminish until we get to the eighth day and we see that only one bull is offered, one ram is offered, and seven lambs in their first year 
is offered. On top of that, every day their drink offerings, their grain offerings, and besides that, Yah instructs Moses that they are also to bring a free will offering besides what they have already vowed to bring for an offering. It is a mighty feast. Imagine if you can, thousands upon thousands of people coming together for this feast day. It is a feast day that Abba Yah tells Moses is to be celebrated for eight days. They are to live in booths, is also called sukkahs, and also referred to as temporary dwelling places. That implies that they're to sleep in these temporary dwelling places overnight for seven days. And on the eighth day, at the end of the feast, they will be allowed to return to their regular homes. The thing about this feast is that it is truly a joyous time. As you continue to read the instructions that Yah has given Moses regarding this feast, he tells them they are to celebrate by singing, by eating, by dancing, by praising Him. They are to have a very joyous time during these eight days. The children will be involved. Everyone is to be involved in celebrating this feast. This feast this year will begin on the second day of October on the Gregorian calendar. Friday, October the 2nd at sunset is when our feast days begin, when all of God's days begin, because God tells us that we are to number our days by the setting of the sun. It is the 14th day, the evening of the 14th day of the month of Tishri, which is the seventh month on the Jewish calendar. This year, the feast falls on what we call a double Shabbaton, meaning that at the same time that the sun is going down on Friday to begin the weekly Sabbath, we will also be going into the yearly feast of tabernacles or Sukkot. And the Sabbath will end at sundown on Saturday, which for the Gregorian calendar is the 3rd of October. However, it will continue as far as the celebration for Sukkot. And it will end eight days later on the calendar for the month of Tishri, the 10th of October at sunset, or the 22nd of Tishri. I have attended quite a few of these celebrations since God directed me to start attending the synagogue and I started learning about these feast days. And I find this particular feast celebration a very exciting time, particularly for children. The tradition of this feast day is to live in temporary dwelling places. The Word of God tells us as you study through these books that all who are native born of Israel are to live in booths for eight days in celebration of this feast. When we look at the Gospels, we see that this particular week of celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles is when the Messiah was born. 
And we know this from studying the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. And I think it's also in the book of John. However, in the book of John is where we specifically are able to determine or calculate that Messiah was born during this time. And the reason we know this is because if you read these books, you will see that when Miriam, the mother of Yehoshua, was informed that she would bring Yehoshua into the world, she went for a visit sometime later to visit her cousin, who was also expecting a child. An angel appeared to her husband while he was performing his duties in the temple. They went on shift for so many days or for so many weeks. They were on shifts performing their duties in the temple. And an angel appeared before her husband to tell him that a child was coming. And the name of the child would be called John. So this is when we see the recording of the birth of John the Baptist. And during this time, Miriam, while she was visiting her, John the Baptist was born. And she returned to her home. And when they calculate the time backwards, from the time that she visited to the time that she returned to her home, being that she would carry during nine months for a nine-month period, they calculated that time to be seven months and seven months ended during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. When you see during the Christian tradition, we are told that Yehoshua was born in a manger in stables. Well, actually it was a sukkah and not among the stables. They were celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. That this particular feast day even goes into the future. All who do not show up for this feast day in the centuries to come, God has given instructions that there will be no rain for those who do not show up for this feast period because it is the celebration of the birth of our Messiah, our Redeemer. When it comes to actually celebrating this feast day, the way that tradition have them performing the waving of the palm branches is they have constructed what is called a lulav. You have branches from a myrtle tree and branches from a willow. You have an etrog that looks like a large lemon. You have the spine of a branch that comes down the middle and the way it is constructed is two of the branches of the willow that hangs off to the left and you have two of the branches of the myrtle that hangs off to the right. In the middle you have the etrog which is in the shape of a heart almost. It is yellow and it has a nice aroma to it. When you take all of these items and put them together they are constructed in a way that you take them and you wave them certain directions to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west, to the heavens, and to the earth. Traditionally, as you wave them, you're saying prayers to God and you're reflecting on the significance and the importance of this time period because 
if the Messiah had not come into the world to redeem us unto the Father, none of us would have any hope of ever making it into his kingdom. According to the teachings of the Kabbalists regarding these particular items that make up the Lulav, it is said that the myrtle branches that hangs off to the right has a fragrance, but it does not have taste. These branches, the leaves of these branches, they have a smell to them, but they do not have a taste to them. According to the teachings, this means that it represents the ability to perform the instructions of Torah, but from a human standpoint does not study Torah. It is a simile to mankind on the earth. It represents different behaviors of mankind on the earth, meaning that some people will perform Torah, but they don't study Torah, and so therefore their performance or performance directed by other people they trust in to give them the information. Then we have the branches of the willow, and according to the instructions regarding the willow branches that hangs off to the side on the left, it does not have a fragrance, and nor does it have a taste, indicating that it represents people who do not know Torah, and they do not keep the instructions of Torah. The branches of the willow are shaped in a small, what is, is being represented as some people call the lips. They equate them to the mouth of a person. When you think about that, the distinct look of the willow branches are quite different from the look of the myrtle branches. Then we have in the middle the etrog, which is what looks like a large lemon. And the traditional teachings of this particular representation is that it knows Torah and it keeps the instructions of Torah because it both has a taste and it has a pleasing fragrant smell to it, meaning that Torah is sweetness in our mouths and it's sweet to walk in the instructions of Torah because of all the blessings that we gain from walking in his ways. Then they have what is called a date palm that goes down the middle of these items all together to be able to hold it in your hand. The date palm has a taste, but it has no fragrance. Means that according to the teachings, it studies Torah and it knows Torah, but it doesn't keep the instructions of Torah. When you hold the lulav, because all of these representations, the etrog and these branches, you take it in both hands and you wave it three times towards the east, three times toward the west, three times toward the north, and three times toward the south, three times towards heaven, and three times toward the earth. And the reason for this is because when God scattered Israel the second time into captivity, he scattered us to the four corners of the earth, the north, the south, the east, and the west. And during our time period that we are in captivity, until Yah collects us and brings us back, which he promises to do, until that happens, 
we wave it also three times to the heavens to remind him of his promise to us that he is going to bring us out of captivity and return us to our own land where we can live in peace and never go through what we have been going through for the past 400 years for the southern kingdom and even longer than that for the northern kingdom. Also, we wave it towards the earth three times. And this reminds us, as we're waving it, to sing praises and thank our Messiah for his precious blood of redemption, for the salvation of our souls. The thing to remember about this feast time period is Israel and Judah have been in captivity for so long that when you read the words that are written in the scripture, it does not say in the land of Israel. It does not say that those who are born in the land of Israel are to live in booths or to live in temporary dwelling places. It says those who are native born of Israel, meaning those who are born of Jacob, because Jacob's name was changed to Israel. It also tells us that we are living in temporary dwelling places because we have been scattered over the entire earth and we're scattered in a place that is not our home, in a land that does not belong to us as a nation. And we are temporarily in a place that is holding us in captivity, a place of dwelling temporarily until Abba Yah collects us from this place. But the joyous thing during the time of these feasts is we have so much to be thankful for in these last days as our Father is opening our eyes to our true identity. He's opening our hearts and our understanding to the sacrifice that was made by Yehoshua who became the sacrificial lamb of the world not just for Israel and Judah, but for all mankind and all who choose to walk in our Father's instructions becomes a part of the family of the tribes of Israel. Because God has given us instructions, there is only one set of instructions. There will never be two sets of instructions because God reminds us that for now the door is open for anyone who are not born of the tribes to take hold of God's instructions and make the choice decision that this is the God that I want to serve. And therefore, they start applying his instructions to their lives and they become a part of his family. So during this time of celebration and enjoying these next eight days, if you've never celebrated Sukkot before, perhaps now would be the time to stop off at your local synagogue or perhaps your local neighbor who may have a sukkah set up in their backyard. Get to learn about what the sukkah looked like, how the children and the adults construct them from scratch. Some people order them online so that they don't have to put a lot of work into building a tabernacle. A lot of care go into decorating them 
And there are all traditional reasons for decorating the way they do. Because there's no place that I have read anywhere so far in the scriptures where God says they are to be decorated this particular way or that particular way. What he says is that we are to dance, we are to wave the branches, and we are to enjoy ourselves and praise him, bring offerings and sacrifices for eight days in celebrating this feast. We are to have the first day as a holy convocation day, and we are to have the eighth day as a holy convocation day. Many people also go camping during this feast festival. They find a lake to go to, and they take their camping gear and their families, and they go fishing from the lake, and they also have the traditional foods that they cook, and the children have a good time. They sleep out under the stars, some of them. And there are lots of ways to celebrate this in a communal way by spending time together, praising our Father for this time period that He has given us and enjoying ourselves with our friends and with our families and our loved ones. So I encourage you to look into celebrating this feast period. And if we're here next year, you will have a better idea of how to get started with celebrating it and make it a joyous time for you and your young ones and your loved ones to spend family time together and praise and thank God for all blessings that he has showered upon us. In the meantime, I am hoping to see you not next week as I will be trying to enjoy this time of feasting myself but perhaps the week after. My allergies are also acting up, so I think I'll give my voice a little resting period, as well as giving my body some resting period, and just sit back and relax and enjoy the grain offering, the drink offering, and time with family and friends. On our next podcast, I hope to pick up at Ezekiel, and until that time, I hope you enjoy yourself with your families. Praise God for your blessings. Go in search of his instructions and enjoy the time that he has given us over these next eight days. Until we meet again to study the word of Ezekiel, may God be with you and bless you during this special occasion and guide you along the way as you go in search of his instructions.